0: But well, if you have a, a Bible with you, uh, turn to Matthew chapter two. If you've bought, if you have one of the church Bibles, that's page nine hundred and sixty-six, and in the large print, that's page uh, one thousand five hundred and one. Matthew uh, chapter two and verses one uh, through to eleven. As a church, we've been looking uh, through the Gospel of Matthew uh, and. Uh, we've, we've come to the point where we're at, chapter 2, uh, and that's where we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, quite a number of years ago now, uh, my mother celebrated her 50th birthday. And every month of her 50th year, my mum decided to do something special. Now, some of those things I was invited to. For example, uh, as a whole family, we got to go uh, to Centre Parks, and they paid, which was great. But there was one... Part of that 50th year that I'm still rather bitter about, and that is that my mum and my two sisters went to afternoon tea at the Lansborough Hotel in Knightsbridge in London. I'm still bitter about it because I wasn't invited. The worst of it is, my two sisters, one of them doesn't even drink tea. One of them only drinks English breakfast tea. None of them really likes sandwiches. And so I thought it was wasted on them. One of them doesn't even really like cake. Whereas I love tea, I love sandwiches, and I really love cake. And so I was really upset when my mum said, but it's a girl thing. I don't know if you've ever been really disappointed at not being invited to something. And that's how you might feel as you read the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. It might seem to be a Jewish thing. I mean, we read in chapter 1 of the genealogy of Jesus, and he's the son of Abraham, and he's the son of David, who's the king of the Jews. And then we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And you may read that chapter and think, well, is that me? But as we come to chapter 2 of Matthew's gospel, we see that Jesus has come to be a blessing to all nations, as was promised to Abraham, we see that Christ is king for all people, for all nations. And we see this as we see these magi coming from the east. We'll see that we're all invited to worship King Jesus. So let me read to you Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. And in uh, this chapter, uh, to start with, I want you to see uh, three whos and three wheres. Three whos and three wheres. And as we look at those whos and wheres, to begin with, we'll see that God is calling all nations to worship him as king, worship Jesus Christ as king. And the first who and where is right at the beginning, and it's Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. At the beginning of uh, verse 1, Matthew reminds us of how chapter 1 ended, that Jesus Christ has been born to Mary and Joseph, or to Mary rather, and he has been born in Bethlehem. And we'll see later on that this is important because it's in Bethlehem where the Messiah must be born. One of the ways that Jesus is shown to be the Messiah promised of old is that he was born in Bethlehem. And as we read chapter 1, we saw that the Messiah also had to come from Abraham's line. He had to come from David's line. And as Matthew builds up these credentials for Jesus being king, in chapter 1 we see where he has come from or who he's from, and in chapter 2, we see where he is from. And we see that Jesus Christ is from Bethlehem. But the second who and where are the Magi from the east. Well, who or what are the Magi? Well, the Magi uh, were not, as uh, one of the carol says, uh, kings. They're not kings. Uh, Older translations of the Bible call them wise men, and although they uh, seem wise, Uh, Magi is the literal translation of who they were. Uh, They were most likely from Babylon, which was far east, about 550 miles east of uh, Jerusalem. And they were professional astronomers and astrologers. They would look at the heavens and they would record what was going on and they would from that gain insights into what was happening on the earth. And they were excellent at doing this. And there are accurate records of their astronomical observations going back hundreds of years before Christ was born. But their astronomy uh, was in the service of their astrology. And they were particularly interested in the signs of the zodiac and what the stars were telling them as they saw them uh, in their constellations. And what they saw in the sky told them of the birth of the one in verse 2 they call the king of the Jews. They saw his star when it rose and it told them to come and to worship him. So when looking at the heavens, they saw something which they interpreted as the birth of the king of the Jews. What did they see? Well, it was probably a comet traveling through the zodiacal constellations that told them of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, of the Messiah. And in Babylon, since 586 BC, there were Jews that had lived there. 586 BC was when the exile happened. And many Jews were taken from uh, Israel to Babylon uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar. And the Jews would have known the Old Testament and the virgin birth was in the Old Testament. It was prophesied. We looked at that last week. There are even prophecies uh, relating even to the star itself in the Old Testament. Many believe uh, there are verses that prophesy both the star and the virgin birth. And these verses would have been known to the Jews in Babylon and therefore would have probably been known to the Magi in Babylon as well. Either the Magi knew about it from the Jews or from their own reading of the Old Testament. But either way, they looked at the stars and they saw from the heavens that the king of the Jews has been born. What is certain is that God moved the heavens to speak to the Magi so that it got them to move 550 miles from the east to worship Jesus Christ. And when we read that they came from the east, that's an important reference for us. For the east is a way of saying far from God. So, for example, in the Old Testament of the Bible, after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says they were placed east of Eden. And then in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 4, when Cain murdered his brother, it says that Cain went from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So Cain went further east. And then in Genesis chapter 11, there's a big rebellion against God by the world at a place called Babel. And it says just before that rebellion that the people moved eastward. You see, the first 11 chapters of the Bible are a tale of moving east, far from God. And then in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham comes, and through him God starts a plan of salvation, which ends with Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 2, we read that from the east, far from God, come Magi to worship the King. People are being called by God from the East to worship Jesus. And the Magi show us that God is calling all nations, all people to worship Jesus Christ. And the good news is that that includes you and it includes me. We who are far from God are called to worship the King. However far you feel from God, However far you are from God, you are called to worship the king. You are invited. And so the Magi from the east went to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem because they assumed that the king of the Jews would be in Jerusalem. It made sense, didn't it? That's where the kings of Jerusalem used to be. But when they arrived, there was another king, and this is the third who and where, Herod, In Jerusalem. The problem that the Magi had when they arrived was that there was already a King of the Jews. That was the name given to King Herod, not by God, but by the Romans. He was given the title about 35 years before this took place, and he'd spent the whole of that time securing his place on the throne. He was a very politically gifted man, keeping in the good graces of successive Roman empires to keep his influence on the throne in Jerusalem. But the important point to note here is the Magi did not come to worship Herod. They come to worship the king of the Jews who has just been born. King Herod had been on the throne for decades. Now there's two assumptions that these Magi had made. Number one, This king had been born. Number two, the people in Jerusalem would know where he is. And if you think about it, that would make sense, wouldn't it? These uh, people in Jerusalem had been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. You would think that if anyone would know where it was, it would be these people in Jerusalem, the Jews, who knew the Old Testament, who knew the promises. Surely they would have seen uh, even the star. They would have known, yes, of course, here he is. And so the scene is set. The king has been born. The magi are asking where he is. And what is the response? Well, we see four responses to this call to worship the king. Four responses. And the first one uh, we see is the response of disturbed in verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says, When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. To be disturbed means that you're fearful and that your mind is perplexed. You're wondering what is going on. Now, it seems an odd response, doesn't it, in a way? uh, To be disturbed. If you've been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah, surely you'd be excited. I mean, we've been waiting, what, 24 days over December for Christmas Day? I didn't wake up disturbed this morning, even when my children woke me up. But Herod was disturbed. But he was disturbed because Herod was not looking for another king of the Jews. He was a tyrant, and he was hated. Which is interesting that Jerusalem was disturbed because Jerusalem didn't like Herod. And they do nothing about the Magi's question. Why? Well, it's obvious why Herod was disturbed, but why were Jerusalem disturbed? with a hated king on the throne and the one they'd been waiting for already born. Well, they were disturbed because if Herod was disturbed, it meant that their status quo would be disturbed as well. What made them comfortable, even though it wasn't very, uh, very good, they didn't want disturbed. They didn't want the, the status quo changed by another king of the Jews being born. As bad as Herod was, they thought, well, better him. Better him that we know than some other king that we don't know, even though they should have known him. And the challenge for us this morning is this. Are you disturbed by Jesus Christ? Are you not worshipping Jesus Christ because he makes you uncomfortable? And Jesus does make us uncomfortable if we worship him. If we worship Jesus, your reputation may change or will change. If you worship Jesus, you may suffer the rejection even of your family and your friends. If you worship Jesus, your lifestyle is called to change. It will be different. It is, I suppose, disturbing. But Herod is a tyrant ruling by fear, and so is Satan. You see, it appears maybe that it's more comfortable to not worship Jesus. But it's only Jesus that brings eternal peace and eternal joy. It may be uncomfortable, but it is always worth worshipping Christ. And we can comfortably walk into hell. That's what the Bible teaches us. We can comfortably just walk to hell for eternity. So Jerusalem is disturbed. They don't want to change, so they do nothing. And so Herod calls effectively the brain trust of Jerusalem, the chief priests and the scribes. Look at verse 4. It says, uh, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born and as we see the chief priests and the scribes we see the second response the response of being disinterested the chief priests and the teachers of the law uh, were the, the it says the people's ones the ones that worked for those around Jerusalem the chief priests were like politicians Uh, They included the family of the high priest and the ex-high priest, and they oversaw the religious life. They didn't do any of the work of the priests, but they oversaw it. They looked after them. And they were very good politicians, if you like, influential. And the teachers of the law were experts in the Old Testament and its interpretation. They taught it. They developed it. They even uh, uh, applied it legally as lawyers in courts. So if anyone would know where the Messiah was to be born, this group of of men would know. And so Herod asked them, and then in verses 5 and 6, he gets the answer. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And there's a quote here from the Old Testament in verse 6. But it's a little bit different from what the Old Testament quotes is. Let me put that one on the screen. So in, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 we read, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old. From ancient times, that's what uh, the uh, the quote here in Matthew is. But notice that it's slightly different. So Ephrathah is changed to Judah. That's just an update uh, on the, the, the name of the city. Uh, Ephrathah was an ancient name, but the the smallest in Micah verse five, verse two becomes by no means the least. Why? Because now the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. It is by no means the least, no means the smallest. It is a city of renown, of high honour, because the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. Micah talks of a ruler from old ancient times. Micah says God is coming. But Matthew adds a quote from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 2, that this ruler would shepherd my people Israel. So the religious leaders were saying that a king is born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's changed now. It's now a great city if uh, the Messiah's been born there. And he has come to shepherd, which is the total opposite of King Herod, this, this tyrant, this king on the throne who is a terrible ruler. And King Jesus has come as God. They would know this is God coming and he has come to shepherd. But what was the response disinterested. Imagine uh, my, my uh, family on my wife's side all live in America and imagine that Paula's uh, sisters were coming over to the UK and they were, go- they were coming to Birmingham and they arrived in Birmingham and we, we didn't really uh, know that they had come but they ring us up and they say oh we're in Birmingham. Well imagine if we say well I would come, but Strictly Come Dancing's on right now. And, uh, well, I've I've got to watch that. Or, you know, Plymouth Argyle, which is where I'm from, that's my home team, they're they're, they're playing, and, well, to be honest, I'd rather watch Plymouth Argyle than come and see you. (laughs) What would that say about my relationship with my sister, or sister-in-law? It wouldn't say much, would it? You know, Bethlehem was five miles from Jerusalem, just Five miles. These magi had walked five hundred and fifty miles. Well, they may have come on camels, but either way, it was a long distance. And yet, on finding out the Messiah who they've been waiting for for hundreds of years has been born. The the people that were the spiritual pace setters of the nation, the religious leaders, did nothing. Nothing. They just did nothing. It's the Magi that go to Bethlehem. The religious leaders stay in Jerusalem. They didn't even go five miles to even see if it had happened, not even to check it out. Doesn't it seem strange? But yet again, can you see the challenge? Is this your response to Jesus? Do you hear the the amazing truth of Christmas? That God has become flesh to save us from sin. And yet... It leaves us cold. What excites you more than Jesus on this Christmas day? Is it a TV show? Uh, Another engagement? Anything else? I mean, this is the Messiah. What would you rather be doing than worshipping Jesus? You know, this is the most ridiculous response of all. For when Jesus has come... This is this is life or death, heaven or hell. Apathy is not the response. Would the Lord deliver us from a lack of interest in the deep and wonderful truths of Christmas time? So God is calling all people to Himself. There's the response of disturbed. There's the response of disinterested. And thirdly, We see in Herod the response of despising. Look at verse 7. Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Herod calls the Magi to a secret meeting. Now this is the the first time it seems that Herod sees the Magi. Uh, Before they were going around Jerusalem in this massive uh, display, because they would have been very... uh, different kind of people it would have been a, a spectacle to see the magi another reason why it's odd that there's such disinterest in going to bethlehem but Matt, but he meets them in secret why well first of all herod doesn't want to give any credence to the fact that there has been a new king born he doesn't want to be seen with the magi as if there was some kind of truth to their claim but secondly herod has a plan which if the people of Jerusalem knew that he called them secretly, uh, and he, they, they would have known what Herod's plan was. It was to get rid of this king. We see that later on when the babies are, are murdered in Bethlehem, Herod had planned to kill Jesus. And so he asks them, when did the star appear in verse 8? And he asked them that so that Herod would know the kind of age that the Messiah might be. But really, he asks them to go to Bethlehem themselves, find the child, and come back and tell him where he is. And Herod does this so that he could have a a targeted assassination. It's like if he lived at my house, 38 Highfield Road North, Herod would send the soldiers to that house and take out that child. That was his plan. But he pretended that he wanted to worship Jesus. But we know that's not the case. Herod despised this new king. Now that's a strong response, isn't it? To hate Jesus so much that he wants to kill him. But this is a response that many have all over the world, even today. There are Christians who are not able to come to church this morning and worship Jesus. They have to do so secretly because they are persecuted. They would be killed for worshipping Christ. Just like Herod wanted to kill Jesus then, so now people take it out on the church they want to murder Jesus by murdering his church but perhaps even with people here this morning there is a a a, a hatred of Jesus not that you're going to murder anybody but you just hate what Jesus says what he means you're here by uh, not by choice but because you have to be here We see the despising of Christ in the changing of the name of Christmas to to meaningless winter festivals. It happens. Is this the response this morning? You know, there's a verse in the Bible uh, in John chapter 1 where John describes the coming of Jesus. He says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John says that that his own people, here we see in Jerusalem, they didn't receive him. But to all who believe in his name, you can become children of God. We're all invited to worship Jesus, but you've got to believe on his name. And we see here the rejection of his own people. But in the Magi, we see the right response. And it's the response of Devotion. After seeing Herod in the afternoon, uh, they left, it seems, when the stars came out. And finding the child uh, w- would be difficult. As they went to Bethlehem, it wouldn't just be an, e- an easy thing. That's why Herod told them to search carefully for the child. It would have been assumed hard work. But when on their way, the star they'd seen appeared, and it stopped over the place where the child was. So the star never led them at this point to Bethlehem. They knew where that was. Heaven could have just said five miles that way. The star led them to a house in Bethlehem where the child was. Now if it was a comet on the horizon, it could have easily pointed out a specific place where the Messiah was. But the Magi, having seen the star, knew where Jesus Christ was. And in verse 10... Uh, we read my favorite verse of this passage. It says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And the overjoyed here uh, is, is a fourfold joy. In the, in the authorised version, it says, They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It's a, a joy of joys, as joyful as you can possibly be. Why did they have this kind of joy? It wasn't because, oh, look at that star. It was because they knew where Jesus was they'd been searching for him, they knew where the Messiah was, and they were overjoyed. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy that they could go and worship Jesus. Because Jesus is the source of true joy. Nothing is greater than finding Jesus. Now, Satan may say that his rule is better, but no. The rule of Jesus the king is the great rule, the greatest of rules. The, the most joyful of, 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 king, of, of, uh, of things is to find the king Jesus and worship him. And so in verse 11, they worshipped. And I want us to just focus uh, on Christmas Day on, the, on this verse in verse 11. They came to the house where the child was, and they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, uh, frankincense and myrrh. They they worshipped. So first thing they did is they saw. They saw the Messiah. They saw Jesus with his mother. And they realised this is the Messiah. They had seen on earth here what they had seen in the heavens. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So they saw who this was. This is the king. This is God. We have come to worship him. They saw him. Then, secondly, they submitted to him. Notice, they bowed down and they worshipped. In the New Testament, when the word worship is used, it is only ever ascribed to God. Only to God. So the Magi knew that what they had seen in the heavens was the coming of God himself in the person of a child, Jesus Christ they knew as they entered the house and they saw the child of Mary's mother, they were looking at God in the flesh. And they bowed down and they worshipped him as God. And this took great faith. I mean, just think about this for a moment. These powerful uh, magi came into a house and they bowed down to a baby. I mean, it turns everything worldly uh, knowledge on its head, doesn't it? You would expect uh, people to be looking at the wise men and thinking, wow, but the wise men worship a baby because they have faith and trust that this baby is God in the flesh. It takes faith to see Jesus and submit to his rule. So they saw, they submit, and then finally they sacrifice. They sacrifice with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. These gifts are costly. And they are fit for a king. They're gifts from their homeland, from Babylon. And they give the best they have to the king they are worshipping. You know, in verse 2 of this chapter, we read that they have come to worship him. And in verse 11, with joy they come and they do so. And for us too, on this Christmas day and every day, Devotion is still the right response to Jesus. We see him. We see who he is. That this is God in the flesh who has come to save us from our sins. He is the king who has died on the cross to pay for our sin. He has risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He is coming again and he rules forever. And he calls us to worship him. We see who this is. And so we then submit to his rule. We submit to him. We bow down and we worship him as God and we commit to do whatever God calls us to do. He is king. I will worship him. I will submit my whole life to him. And then we sacrifice to him. We give him the best that we have. We give it to him for his service, our lives, all that we have to worship Jesus as king because he alone is the king. The very first uh, carol we sung uh, sums it up nicely. Come and worship Christ the King. If you're here as a visitor this morning and you've never heard of these things before, or perhaps you've heard them and you're not sure, uh, do come and speak to us afterwards. We'd love to share more about Jesus. Uh, In the new year, we're running a uh, Christianity Explored, which explains... Uh, who Jesus is, why he came, uh, and what it means to follow him. If that would interest you in in doing Christianity Explored and finding out more, you're invited. Uh, All people are invited to that too, to come and see more of Jesus. Have a look. Come and see. But the wonderful news of Christmas is that the Messiah has come for you. All you who are from the East, all you who are far from God, All of you are called and invited to come and to worship Christ the King. And so my plea to you this morning is come. Come and worship Christ, the King of kings, the King of all nations. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who Jesus is. And we thank you for who he has come for. Oh Lord, deliver us from these incorrect responses and cause us to be devoted to you and to worship you not just on Christmas Day but for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to close with a final, uh, Carol the I, uh, First Noel.